On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Basic Training will train you in a spiritual boot camp of disciplines to be prepared to be the Army of God. Welcome to Basic Training. We have done this material to help us to really be a disciple that makes a difference. I'm going to read my first part here because it explains really where we're going. It says successful armies always have some kind of basic training that you go through. Uh, it, when you enlist in whatever military branch it is, you're going to go through basic training. The reason they have basic training is because it's a strict regiment to help get those soldiers into shape so that they can accomplish what they were enlisted to do. And again, again, that's fighting and being in an army or whatever military branch it is. Same thing is true with us. We're supposed to be the army of God, and we're supposed to be representing Christ on earth and doing his ministry. Well, if we are, then we need to get in shape too. And so that's why we've designed this, uh, and we call it basic training, because when you understand what's going on, it helps you to be able to come in agreement with what is happening in your life and what God is wanting to do in your life. So the good news is, is that in this army, in this battle, Jesus has already won the victory. He is paid in full. So we we work and we move from a position of total victory. But let me explain sort of where we're going to cover in this entire series. When Jesus came to be water baptized, and we'll look at it in a few minutes in Luke chapter 3, he had done no ministry, probably about 30 years of age, and he had been a good son to his father and mother, worked in their probably their business. But when he came in Luke 3, what we have an account of, began a process that Jesus went through that we find in Luke 3, Luke chapter 4, to where ultimately he enters into his ministry of which he was designed to do. And what we believe is Luke 4, 18 and 19, which he, after he goes through this process, he ends up reading out of the book of Isaiah and basically finds uh, what we now know as Isaiah 61. In that day and time, it didn't have numbers. And we have it quoted there in Luke 4, 18 and 19. We'll look at that in a minute. That was Jesus's ministry. After he read that, he sat down and he said, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then he immediately went out and that's what he began to do. So our perspective is, is that this was Jesus's ministry. It is our ministry also. And we need to look back, okay, what did Jesus do? So if Jesus went through certain things to get to the place to where he could then minister to do what he was called to do, uh, we probably need to do the same thing. So what I want to do is if you'll... I'm going to look at Luke chapter 3, and this is verse 21 and 22. This is when all the people when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and when he prayed, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven with said, You're my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. Then after uh, chapter 4 begins. It says, Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. So what we have here is we have Jesus preparing for ministry. Then in Luke chapter 4, he goes to the wilderness. The wilderness is a time of testing. It's a wilderness that basically everybody ends up going through 
a time of testing. And when he came out of that, that then we goes into the synagogue. He reads the uh, job description, uh, Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He's to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So before he ever entered his ministry, he went through these steps, and then he had to go through the wilderness. Now, here's if we, if we understand the wilderness, everybody goes through the wilderness. Jesus went for 40 days. Now, we probably missed the 40-day one. The children of Israel were for 40 years. Uh, they never did really understand what the purpose of the wilderness was. And we're going to look at all that during this series. But they, they didn't understand it, and they never were able to enter into what God really called them to do. And so if we understand the wilderness, we understand the times of testing, the times of trials in our life, if we don't understand what God is trying to do in us to get us in shape, what happens is that we have a tendency to reject what God is trying to do to get us into shape. Uh, we don't really like the workout room. Uh, we don't like the having to put the effort in. But the truth is that we all need to go through the workout room. We need to get in shape. If we're going to represent Christ, we need to follow his pattern. So I want to go back to uh, the Luke chapter 3, verse 21. Because this is what Jesus did. Now, and let me say again, he had not done any ministry. He had not preached. He hadn't done any miracles, done nothing. He'd simply been a good son to his parents and if obviously involved in their family business. So back to Luke 3, 21. It says they were baptized, when people were baptized, that Jesus came to be baptized. And as he prayed, heaven was open. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven and said, you're my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about the pattern we see here. Number one is that Jesus uh, was water baptized. Now, again, let me just make a point. He was not born again there. He was birthed by the Spirit. But he was water baptized. The second thing that happened is, is that the Holy Spirit came upon him. Again, that's not a born-again experience. We'll talk about that in a moment. And he was also affirmed by the Father. Those three things are absolutely imperative for us if we understand where we're going to go. If Jesus needed these things in his life, and he set a pattern for us to follow, then we obviously need to follow the same pattern in our lives. So let me just begin with this whole issue of new birth. John 3 3 through 8, says, Jesus answered and said to him, this is talking about to Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. And Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, most assuredly I say to you, unless it's born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So obviously, we do need to be born again. Uh, that, that's the first step of everything. If we're going to be who God's called us to be, we must receive Him as our Lord and Savior, 
and be born of the Spirit. And again, that's talking about new birth in us. Jesus obviously did not need new birth because he was birthed by the Spirit, but he was water baptized. Now, this, this is out of the Matthew account, it's Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 15. It said, Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? And Jesus said to him, permit it to be so now, for thus it's fitting for all fulfillment of righteousness. Then he allowed him. So what we have here is that when he came, uh, the Matthew account says that John saw him and said, oh, wait, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I know who you are. You need to be baptized in me. He said, no, this so I can fulfill all righteousness. So I need to enter into baptism again. Why? Because if we understand baptism, it, it's something that God has for us to be involved in to understand the significance of identity. Jesus was water baptized. He was not just sprinkled, but he was dumped. And so we need to be water baptized also. So there's basically three things that happen in water baptism. Water baptism is a complete identification with the new birth. So when I'm born again, I come into a place where I need to say, I want to be water baptized. Uh, we've gone to a number of nations overseas where if someone is water baptized, the people understand that means you're cutting off the old and you're identifying with the new. Uh, in some cultures, they'll kill you for being water baptized. Uh, we went to some nations where they were fearful of being water baptized and only when they could get away and have their own little containment, could we really water baptize people? Because it's so significant. Uh, Romans chapter six, in fact, let me just read that for you. But the baptism is so very, very important and understanding it. Romans chapter six, <clears throat> and I just encourage you to read Romans chapter six. I'm just gonna read some of the verses beginning verse three. Do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. So, this is not a teaching on baptism, it's just important. Jesus was water baptized. We need to be water baptized also, because what it does, again, number one, is it as a born-again believer, we're completely identifying in the new birth, and we're identifying that we are now children of God, sons of God. Second thing is that we are to identify with the death of Christ. He died for me. He died for you. So we're identifying with the death. And what actually is significant about this is that the old man, the old nature, the old Terry was crucified and buried with Christ. Well, the good news is, is that uh, you don't hold people under the water. So then you come out of that water to be raised to walk in newness of life. That's why when we do baptize, we say baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, and to raise to walk in newness of life because those things are very important. If we identify with that, 
We identify with the new nature, not the old nature. Old nature that, that agrees with the world, the sin, the flesh, and the devil. My new nature is that I'm a new creation. I'm, I'm not an old patched up, made together. I'm a new creation in Christ. So very, very important. The next thing that happened is that Jesus comes out of the water and he is praying and the Holy Spirit comes upon him like a dove. Now, the Holy Spirit's not a bird. The Holy Spirit came upon him and settled upon him that they actually visibly saw there was something on him. And as he received the Holy Spirit, the Father spoke from heaven and said, you're my beloved son and you I'm well pleased. Now, why is this significant? All of this is important. Because if we're going to be who God's called us to be, if we're going to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish, we have got to get, we've got to get the same place that Jesus was. So let me review this again. Jesus was not born again, but we do need to be born again. Number two, we need to be water baptized. If we're water baptized, we identify with the new nature, we identify with our new person of being in Christ. Third thing is, we need to receive the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just back up a little bit and tell my personal story. I grew up in church, and I grew up in a, in a home that believed in Jesus. The church preached Jesus and preached the Word of God. But I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And I began to, as an adult, continue to go to church. Still, uh, I knew the Holy Spirit was the Spirit of God, but I didn't have any teaching on the Holy Spirit. Didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And then in August of 82, 1982, I went to a meeting, and I literally got filled with the Spirit. It changed my life. Um, I, I, I didn't know exactly what all it was. I just knew that I, something had happened and changed my life. So being a good Bible scholar and student, I wanted to go back. I got to see this in the Word. I, I have to see it in the Word for me to believe it. So I'm going to walk you through sort of what I did. I went into the Word, and, and the first passage here is Luke 24 through 49. It says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from up on high. Now, you're going to see some, some terminology here. Where Luke wrote Acts, and he wrote the book of Luke, and he uses the same terminology. It's very clear, and I'm going to say it this way. It's been said before that the Spirit in me is for me, but the Spirit on me is for you. And if we're going to be the army of God, if we're actually going to go out and make a difference in this world, if we're going to be disciples that are, that are affecting the world around us, we need to power God. And that's what he's saying here. He says, look, the, Spirit's got, the promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit. He's going to come upon you. He's going to endue you with power. Literally means to clothe you with power. Acts chapter 1. Now, this is after Jesus has ascended from, from the grave. They've seen him. He is talking to them. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's an interesting passage. Because we know at the end of Matthew, he said, go. So now he's saying, don't go. So what is it? Are we supposed to go or not go? Well, no, we're supposed to go make disciples of all nations. But the truth is, he's saying, but don't go until you're endued with power. Now, again, Jesus is our model. So he didn't go until he was endued with power. 
<clears throat> so Acts passage um, just says, don't go. You've heard of the promise. Don't go until you get the promise of the Father. He's going to endue you with power. Now, they ask at the time, uh, we're not reading this, but he, he, they ask at the time, is this the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says, look, it's not, it's not for you to know times or seasons. Don't worry about that. That's in the Father's hands. But this is what he says in verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now, I, all I know is, is that what happened to me, I, I got endued with power. It changed my life. Um, the Word of God came alive. I literally got delivered, set free of some, some stuff that I couldn't overcome myself. I got a revelation of love of the Father. And I really knew something had happened in my life, but I, but I, wasn't, I wasn't comfortable. I hadn't really understood this whole issue of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I continued on reading through the book of Acts. I came to, obviously, Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. So there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, one set up on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so, <clears throat> okay, well, that was that time. Well, does it occur other times? Well, in Samaria. Now, this is where Philip goes out, preaches the gospel. If you read the entire account, it says that he's performing signs and wonders that many believe and come into the kingdom of God. And so there's a lot of stuff that's going on there, but they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. So this is beginning in verse 15 of, of uh, Acts chapter 8. Who, when they had come down, they, the apostles came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, he'd fallen upon none of them. They'd only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid hands on them, and they received the Spirit. Again, I'm wrestling with this issue. Uh, they had received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They were water baptized, but they hadn't yet received the Holy Spirit. He was received as they, the apostles came down and laid hands upon them. Terminology again, in Pentecost, tongues of fire set upon them. Here he said the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon them. So again, we're not talking about a born-again experience. We're talking about an empowering experience. Then we have the story of the Gentiles. This is Acts chapter 10. Cornelius, who is a godly man, has a vision. He sends for Peter, and Peter comes and begins to preach to them. And so basically, uh, this, is, this is the Gentiles. Peter's a Jew. Uh, he realizes that, well, I'm not sure I'm supposed to even be here. Picking it up in verse 44, it says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. So again, we have another example. Uh, we have Pentecost, the birthing of the church. We have Samaria, where they received the Holy Spirit. Now we have the Gentiles coming in the fullness of the kingdom of God, and they also, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now, um, I want to go to Acts chapter 19. And this is what really settled it for me. Acts 19, beginning verse 1. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth, and Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. Finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We've have not so much as even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He said, then what were you baptized? Well, they said into John's baptism. And Paul said, 
John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. When I came to this passage, there are a number of things here that I want to point out. Um, when you look at the passage, and a lot of times in Scripture, you have to read some between the lines. When Paul would go into a region, he would always ask for people if they knew of any other way. They called them of the way in that time. They'd, Christians were used later, but they would call them of the way. And they say, are there anybody there of the way? And they say, yeah, there's some people down here. There were some, if you read in Acts, he would find some. They were praying at different areas. So he finds these disciples, but he obviously knows there's something missing right off. He knows there's, whoa, wait a minute, guys. So he goes, uh, "Have you, you? did you guys receive the Holy Spirit? And they go, we, we never even heard. We don't even know about the Holy What are you talking about? He goes, okay, I got to find out where you guys are. What baptism were you baptized into? And they said, John. He goes, oh, okay, I got it. Let, let me, let me, let's, let's start over. Let me start over. John's baptism was a precursor to announce the coming of Christ. He's come. He's here. You can now know Jesus, and you can be baptized in Jesus, and you can now receive the Holy Spirit. So it's like, hey, we're in. I mean, we're, we're, let's go. So that's what he did. So he, he obviously shared the Lord with them. They received, they baptized them, and then he laid hands on the Holy Spirit came upon them. It says they all spoke with tongues and prophesied. When I read this passage, the Holy Spirit asked me, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, again, intellectually, I knew the answer is yes. You can't get born again without receiving the Spirit, but that wasn't the, that wasn't the answer. And I knew that. The moment I answered, I said, no, Lord, I've never really received you as spirit. I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I don't have a problem with the fatherhood of God. I had a good father. I don't have a problem understanding that God is my father. But Holy Spirit, I just, I've got no frame of reference. I, I didn't grow up talking about that, didn't know anything about it, never heard about it. So I said, but Lord, today, I want to receive you. And I want to receive every gift and everything that you've got for me. And that began a continuation of what he had already begun. And I thank God for it. It changed my life. I've continued to walk with him. And so that's why we start with this. Being baptized the Holy Spirit is so important. It, receiving the fullness of everything that Jesus had. And we're going to look at that in, in this next section. But we're looking at it's the Spirit that reveals everything to us. It's, it makes everything real to us. It's the Holy Spirit that does all this in our lives. So let me wrap this up. What we see in Jesus' model for us and the pattern that he established for us is that he was water baptized. Again, we need to be born again. We need to be water baptized, and we need to receive the Holy Spirit. And we really need the affirmation of the Father, which we will talk about in our, our next session. But the point is that we need all of that. Why? Well, if we're going to follow him, if we're going to accomplish what he created us to accomplish, representing him on earth, we've got to follow his pattern because he established the pattern for us. So what I want to do, I want to close out this, this part, and I want to pray for us. The Bible says that if we ask, he'll give to us. 
Luke 11, at the end of that, says how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So you may never have asked. I want to encourage you, you may not be born again. If you're not born again, it says all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be born again. They will not be disappointed. If you're serious about following Jesus, you need to be born again. You may never have been water baptized. You need to contact our church or the church that you're involved in, but you need to be water baptized. We've baptized people in streams, lakes, um, swimming pools, all kinds of places. So it's not it's not the what you're water baptized in. It's the understanding and identification with water baptism. And then you need to receive the Holy Spirit. So I want to pray, and I want to close this part with just praying. And if you will pray with me, um, I think it's so important. So Father, we love you. And we thank you that you have loved us. As you've given to us everything that we need, and Lord, I pray that you'd help us to follow the pattern that you established. If someone is watching this and not born again, I pray, Lord, they would call upon your name. You are the truth. You're the way. You're the life. You're the only way to the Father. You're the source of life. You're the source of eternal life. And you loved us so much that you gave your life for us. And I pray, Lord, if there's those that are watching that have never been water baptized, that, Lord, that you would help them understand that, that that event and understanding of what it really means, identifying completely with your death and burial and resurrection, changes our composure and way we live so that we can live in victory, the victory you paid for. And then I ask you, Holy Spirit, to baptize us. Invite the Holy Spirit right now, just say, I yield to you. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come in my life. I ask you to fill me to overflowing. I want to be changed. I want all the manifestations. I want everything that you have. I want it all. I want everything. I yield my life. I yield my mind. I yield my tongue. I yield my body. I yield to you. And I ask you to fill me to overflowing. And Lord, we love you and bless you and thank you. We thank you. Now, what we're asking is that you help us to really embrace everything that you have for us so we can be everything you created us to be. So we love you, we bless you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. They opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.